I want to focus in on Ukraine here for a moment. And there's some new information with some more staggering numbers. Can you believe that more than 4 million refugees, yes, it's up to 4 million now, have fled Ukraine uh, after Russia's invasion? So that's 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 a new milestone. And it, it is the largest refugee crisis in Europe since the Second World War. So about 2.3 million have arrived in Poland. Here's another line. So you have the number of refugees who have left the country. There are still another 6.5 million people within Ukraine who have been displaced from their homes. It's a, it's a humanitarian crisis. And at the same time, it's also still a propaganda war. And as, as we mentioned, it's been fought in a couple of very different ways. Marcus Kolga is founder of disinfowatch.org, and he's joining us here uh, this morning. He's been looking into uh, the, the very different ways that this is being fought. Uh, Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's uh, from the Ukraine point of view and from the Russia point of view. I guess for me, it's almost like hearts and minds. It's it, we're trying to, to 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 capture the hearts and the emotion of people to support Ukraine. In Russia, they're trying to almost brainwash the minds. Is that a fair way to put this uh, to to categorize this propaganda war? Yeah, look, in a nutshell, what the Kremlin is trying to do, what Vladimir Putin is trying to do um, domestically with propaganda and disinformation is to dehumanize uh, Ukrainians, its uh, Jewish president, uh, so that those pictures being beamed back of the barbaric destruction that's happening in Ukraine right now, the city of Mariupol has been completely decimated, 90 percent of the civilian infrastructure in that city has been destroyed. Oh no, I thought they were just going after military targets. Well, exactly. And this is and this is part of the propaganda is the uh, the foreign minister has repeatedly said Russia doesn't bomb civilian targets. Anyone who looks at those images, I mean, I think all Canadians have seen them now. It is a uh, just a, a husk of a city. There's nothing left of this town except for the Russian Orthodox churches um which they've you know have remained standing in the middle of the city otherwise apartment buildings schools hospitals have all been destroyed there's no water there's no food left and there are still hundreds of thousands of people left in the city so what the kremlin what vladimir putin has tried to do with his own people is again dehumanize the ukrainians to make um uh, makes this to desensitize them to these to these images He's uh, made all Ukrainians out to be uh, Nazis. He's uh, suggested that the Ukrainian government is run by drug-addled Nazis, even though, like I said earlier, the, the, the president of Ukraine is Jewish himself. Um, and he's also hermetically sealed off his people from the outside world. So he's able to completely control all aspects of the information that his people received, uh, all social media has been blocked, all independent media. So that's what he's doing uh, to, to Russians in Russia. And and so, Marcus, in your opinion, it's it's working. He's now he's convinced his whole country that. Of this, um, uh, well, you know, when you completely control the information inside a country, um, you're going to also be able to manipulate opinion. And so, unfortunately, the latest polling—if we are to believe it, of course—the uh, latest polling out of Russia suggests that three quarters of Russians actually support this war. Um, but could that so, be part of, like you said, is that even part of the uh, uh, the misinformation or disinformation? Uh, how do we even believe that? Now, is that being pushed upon us? Point. 
Yeah, well, then that's a good point. We don't know whether we can trust that those polling numbers, but um, we aren't seeing that much um, uh, public resistance to this war. You know, in, in the first few days, when information was still getting into Russia from the outside, there were large-scale protests. Those, you know, so in addition to controlling the information, any sort of opposition to the war is also being severely repressed. Mm. A law was passed in Russia that um, that allows the authorities to charge um, individuals who utter the word war in the context of Ukraine. Uh, and th- those people would be um, facing up to 15 years in prison. And so the, the, the repression in combination with the disinformation um, has, uh, has really uh, caused a chilling effect on any sort of criticism of the war. And uh, amongst many Russians, apparently it's boosted their support for it. How, how safely can we assume that this seed has been planted long before this war even broke out? Oh, well, I mean, this has been ongoing for the past 22 years, ever since Vladimir Putin came to power. Let's not forget that he comes from the KGB. He was a, uh, the head of a KGB outpost in eastern Germany that worked very closely with eastern uh, Germany or East Germany secret police. And so disinformation um, and, and the manipulation of, of facts and such is something that Vladimir Putin has been doing for his entire lifetime, and certainly over the 22 years that he's been in prison. Oh, sorry, he's been in power, yes. sorry. <laughs> I wish he were in prison. Yeah, there's the Freudian <laughs> slip of the day. There you go. Exactly. Um, and with regards to Ukraine, I mean, one of the first things that Vladimir Putin said when he came to power was that he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union, and that would include Ukraine. So Ukraine has been in uh, Vladimir Putin's crosshairs for, uh, you know, several, uh, you know, t- nearly two two decades. Um, in 2014, of course, he invaded and uh, and annexed Crimea and in parts of eastern Ukraine. So, uh, you know, disinformation targeting Ukraine is, is not a new thing. Hey, Marcus, before we let you go, there's another side to this. As we talked about propaganda war, you could say that both sides are winning. If 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 Putin is winning the war for within the propaganda war within his own country, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Ukraine wins the propaganda war outside of the country, trying to capture the hearts and the minds with the emotion and the real emotion and the real loss, etc. Yeah, and within Ukraine as well. I mean, President Zelensky has done an incredible job of bringing his people together and galvanizing them uh, to defend uh, Ukraine against this invasion. Um, No one expected uh, Ukraine to hold out this long. At the beginning of the war, the expectation was that Russia would take Kiev, the capital, in two to three days. We're in week five right now, and and the Ukrainian forces are, are pushing back on all fronts at this point, except for the South. Um, and so he's done an amazing job of, of uh, winning that information war within Ukraine. And outside of Ukraine, I think the Western world has woken up to, finally woken up uh, to Russia's uh, efforts to uh, confuse us and, and use disinformation to manipulate our understanding of geopolitics. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, not, he's simply not winning the war. When he says that he's uh, engaging in a war to denazify Ukraine, I don't think anyone believes him, except for those on the far left and perhaps on the far right. But uh, most Canadians, most people in the Western world simply don't believe this stuff. And thankfully, they're, I think they're rejecting uh, those narratives right now. All right, Marcus, really appreciate your perspective on this. Thanks so much for your insight. Anytime. Thanks for having me on.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.